Welcome to On The Map, the podcast at the intersection of real estate, startups, and technology. I'm your host, David Beats. I want to thank you for joining us. Now on to today's episode. Welcome to the On The Map podcast, where we talk about the new advances in technology and data in commercial real estate. My name is David Beats, and I'm pleased to have my good friend, Henry Moore, on the podcast today. Henry is the founder and CEO of Resimplify, and they provide nationwide commercial real estate listing data for use in various applications online. It's great to finally finally have you on the podcast, Henry. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, so your journey as a startup founder has had some some twists and turns. Uh, what's what's your background, and what led you to start a tech business in commercial real estate? Sure. So I actually started out in technology sales uh, right out of college and ultimately got involved in, I would say, an early stage company. I like to think of it as a, um, a 20 year startup. I, the story mm-hmm. is pretty interesting, but um, I went to work for a company, uh, it, it, actually medical device sales after, after technology sales and um, really loved the startup environment, uh, like the camaraderie, the, 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 having a voice, all of that was really interesting for me. I think I frankly took it for granted, but that was an important part of my journey. And ultimately for family reasons, we had, um, we had several young, young kids and I was traveling a lot. I decided to come to home to Columbia, South Carolina and get involved in commercial real estate. My father had been involved in commercial real estate. I grew up with it. Um, it was something that I always, uh, enjoyed and, and frankly admired those who, who the different commercial real estate professionals that were in my life. Um, so I got involved in commercial real estate and, pretty quickly learned that was 2008 mm-hmm. that a lot of the tools that I had grown accustomed to in my previous career, quite frankly, did not yet exist in commercial real estate. So uh, initially the idea was to build something passively. We focused mm-hmm. on uh, CRM catered towards commercial real estate brokers. And I thought I could perhaps stay on as a broker, build that, you know, kind of as a, as a side hustle. Um, right. But very quickly learned in order for it to work that I needed to go all in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. So, so did you, did you raise money? Did you bootstrap or how, how did you kind of get that going? Yeah. So initially, um, initially 2015, I went full-time with Resimplify and, uh, my partner and I initially did go the VC route. So we were very fortunate that we were able to raise, raise money, raise some capital with, um, we partnered with the state of South Carolina SCRA initially, mm-hmm. um, which is focused on growing the knowledge economy, um, in our home state of South Carolina. And we were able to, to also raise money with friends and family. Um, and so that's initially initially how we started. The journey uh, here has certainly taken perhaps more time than we, we originally anticipated. Right. So the model over time, we started bootstrapping the company and investing in the company. And um, yeah, so that's so it's been a bit of a hybrid model, but uh, we absolutely initially raised money. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I remember seeing some of that early product where you were focused on kind of like CRM and deal flow and, and kind of how that, how, how a deal kind of goes through different stages, um, right. you know, um, and then, and then you started um, at some point you kind of did a pivot and you started focusing more on real estate data and economic development, right? That's correct. Yeah. So I, I, I like the quote that, that startups usually have several founding moments and we certainly did. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we initially, um, you know, did the CRM thing and we're fortunate enough to land some, some early adopters that became our friends and our advocates. And um, we were listening to what they had to say. And there were some pretty dramatic changes within the commercial real estate space related to um, research providers and multiple listing service providers. And 
without me getting way too deep in the weeds on that, a, a, a group of our advocates came to us and um, during all these uh, shifts within in that space, Mm-hmm. was interested if we could buy a locally, if we could build rather a locally focused MLS. So um, you think about user properties, properties that don't need national exposure. We already had the CRM idea. So our, our concept, not really fully understanding perhaps that there were other people that were focused on the same thing that had not yet, that were frankly ahead of us had not, had not yet launched their products, mm-hmm. um, was the idea to incorporate CRM-like technologies within a local M- MLS that was um, highly focused on quality data. Okay. Um, so that's what we did. And that was 2019. And we were very fortunate to have partners, client partners that were able to kind of help us steer into the direction to what we, we, we ultimately figured out was what we call aftermarket fit. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um, yeah. uh, can you, can you tell us about any, um, current customers and, and how they're using the data? Yeah. So, um, we, we, we work with commercial, some commercial real estate brokerage companies, uh, but mostly we're focused on economic development. So okay. um, there was an interesting turn after we that. So initially, again, we built this local MLS focused specifically on one market where we had really good solid data. Um, and uh, I guess I'll, I'll get into how we got into economic development. Um, I had been interfacing with 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 uh, economic development professionals that I worked with when I was a broker. And uh, mm-hmm. one of those individuals, um, they had an existing platform and they had solicited brokers input information for, for a long period of time. So I just brainstormed with him and said, hey, you know, we have good buy in within within the region. Um, our data is really solid. We manage it for accuracy. We're not reliant upon subscriptions necessarily. Um, is this something that perhaps would solve your problem so you don't have to reach out to brokers and ask them to input their data in an additional MLS type system? Mm-hmm. And that was, and he validated that that was, that was something that they perhaps would be interested in. And so um, that ultimately that entity along with our local, uh, uh, the city of Columbia actually um, happened to be building a new website at that point in time. So we, we, we had the conversation with the director there, um, a great guy named Ryan Coleman and Ryan validated mm-hmm. once again, that this was something that was needed accurate data for specifically catered to economic development. So okay. we ca- that's kind of how, how it started. So our clients include um, private and public economic development organizations across the U S mm-hmm. um, that's really been our blue ocean strategy is, is frankly to curate and manage accurate data for the purposes of site selection. Okay. So um, okay. yeah. So if I'm, you know, uh, I don't know, BMW or something like that, I can I can go to Richland County's website and I can look and see what available land there is, you know, to build something or so I can basically see what's for sale and what's for lease um, kind of within that county or that city that's that's licensing that data from you. Yeah, exactly. For those who are somewhat unfamiliar with economic development. in, in the most simple terms, the, you know, their job is to re- recruit and retain industry to the areas mm-hmm. that they cover. So they have often have websites. Those websites often have what we call site selection tools or applications that highlight these the, these geographical areas. Um, the issue has always been the lack of uh, um, accurate data. So prior to our existence, uh, companies would um, rather these organizations would attempt to collect the best data possible. And usually that was reaching out to the brokers, hosting lunches, saying, hey, guys, we're your partners. We want to help you. We want to promote your listings. Can you please right. enter these into our applications? Often they would license other MLS type data. The issue with that was they were only getting that MLS subscribers data. So mm-hmm. no one really, no, which obviously, you know, 
very few MLSs would have 100% participation. So there were there were holes in that data. Right. The other issue, not to spin out on this too much, is that these applications, when you're relying upon brokers, a crowdsourced broker aggregation of data, you're relying upon that broker to actually take his information down once a property is transacted or yeah. update listings, et cetera. So anyway, there was there was just there were problems within in the ways in which these guys were getting getting the data. So um, we were very fortunate to kind of come up with this idea of curated data, specifically catered to economic development professionals that are are going out trying to attract um, attract uh, business to their area. So yes, exactly okay. right. If BMW is looking for a site within Richland County, one of the first steps is typically they have a site selector, whether that be a VP of real estate or an outside consultant, go and visit that community's website essentially and say, hey, what do these guys have available? You know, can we shortlist this community, for example? Let's go look at six areas. Um, within a specific region and let's try to come up with three finalists and that often starts with an online search right right yeah okay okay very cool um so so what is um just curious kind of what what does your team look like today and are you looking to fill any roles yeah we're growing so we currently have it's nine um nine currently i believe uh and um we you know there are uh our lead developer and um lead support people in Columbia, South Carolina, where we're headquartered. Um, uh, I'm domiciled in Atlanta currently, and we also have an additional sales rep here in Atlanta. Um, mm -hmm. And we have several analysts that work for us that support um, all of our clients. Um, and yeah, that's our current team. So we outsource okay. our marketing still, um, and our sales team is growing and our develop product development team is growing. So I anticipate that we'll bring three to four people on between now and I would say Q1 of next year, mm -hmm. um, specifically focus on supporting our marketing um, again a data scientist a product developer uh, a supporting product developer as well as um, we're always looking for good analysts to be honest but yeah, yeah so we're growing for sure okay okay very cool um with with the current economic conditions um you know and kind of this potential recession on the horizon and you know some people laying people off um you know has just has the has this potential recession or slowdown changed how you operate or um, or, or I guess the other question would be, you know, how are you, are you seeing any, any effects of any kind of slowdown based on, you know, who you're talking with and working with? Not yet. I think that I, I perhaps look at this slightly different than, 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 than others. Um, when things are going really well in commercial real estate, um, as it relates to, to the brokerage, you know, um, the brokerage side of our business. So, we, so, so mm -hmm. economic development absolutely is um has been our focus but there's also a growing segment of our business on on, on the commercial real estate research side so right when things okay. are going really well brokers or, or or folks on the commercial real estate side don't necessarily need to invest in additional tools things are going well what they're mm -hmm. doing is working so um in my experience we don't necessarily see a slowdown when when the commercial real estate market slows down frankly we right. see sometimes more of an investment in, in new technologies and things like that on the economic development side kind of the same thing um you know, when things are happening, they certainly have access to more funds um, and they're they're excited to invest in new progressive tools. Um, but on the flip side of that coin, when things slow down, they often feel the need to, to support their community and um, try to attract more folks to their industry, uh, whether it be retail, for example, COVID would be a great example of that. So right. um, with a recession, I don't necessarily think things are going to slow down. I think, frankly, that might free up some time. People have been so busy over the last eight years or so that I feel like, um, you know, 
there's going to be an opportunity for us perhaps to shine and have conversations that perhaps we would not have otherwise because, you know, things were rocking and rolling for people. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. What, um, what, what's been the hardest thing about scaling your solution? Cause I know early on, we kind of talked about how, um, you know, you were, you were gathering some data, like maybe like, like a city here or a state here. And, and then at some point you, you kind of like went nationwide, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's accurate. Um, our, 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 our model has continued to change, I guess, there are a couple of different ways I can answer that question. So the hardest part, I think, for many entrepreneurs is um, over time, being a founder, you wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you literally touch everything. And um, frankly, you get you develop some skills that I think are hard to recreate if you don't go through that. Furnace, right. right. So right. Um, you develop a sense of passion, for example, where it's really easy for you to sell and tell your story or easier, perhaps, than it would be for someone else. They didn't have that experience. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is you, you've been touching everything. And, and when things are working and you're growing and experience growth to walk away from that, I think can be challenging. The way I've always looked at my job is that ultimately I wanted to replace myself. Um, and, right. you know, you do that. You do that incrementally. So um, that's that's been hard, specifically on the sales side. I think that, again, founders do a great job selling. I think typically they are the best person to initially sell their product. The issue that I've always had with that um, is you can't, you can only scale, you can't scale yourself. Right. So, right, right. um, to, to, to train up a sales guy and let him be reliant upon him to tell your story, I think is, um, is, is, is the best model for us because it's going to enable us to again scale, but you are going to perhaps take a hit initially, um, as that person, you know, develops the same passion that perhaps, perhaps you have. Um, but yeah, right. that's basically, it is kind of letting go the idea of letting go and letting other people, take yeah. over and kind of give your baby to a group of guys. Um, that's been hard, but also very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so it lets you kind of work on the business instead of in the business, you know, yeah, you, absolutely. you can kind of step yeah. back it's a more, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You get yeah. to kind of jump back into to strategy and, and um, you know, whatever your true North is and then thinking about new ideas and how to complement what you're doing, which has been cool. You also asked about nation, national data versus where we started. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think that, um, how we've gone about it, we've been very fortunate that it's worked out. So we developed what we would call this blue ocean strategy with an economic development. We knew we were solving a problem um, and we, we realized very quickly that we we were delivering and that was exciting for us. Um, right. To get into the weeds just a bit, uh, we collect public data. So there's public information out there and that's the bulk of what we do. We have some private, pri- private sources, but for the most part, our data is um, we're curating, uh, collecting public sources and creating new narratives for our clients, usually around their geography, but perhaps on a product type. Let's say we're a economic development group that's only interested in promoting industrial properties over 50,000 square feet. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll make we'll create those sort of filters as well. But it's always around a certain polygon. The city of we mentioned Columbia, South Carolina, as an example, yeah. or San Antonio is a client or Union Pacific um, Rail is a client of ours. So properties along their rail line. So. Um, okay. The state of Georgia is a client of ours. So there, there are things like that that, um, you know, ultimately we, we started out identifying those public sources within the, that polygon, within that trade area. But after a period of time, um, we recognized that these sources were that, that we were we were pulling data from often had national exposure. So okay. what happened essentially was we built a national data set that was managed for accuracy, that's constantly being deprecated, that's not relying upon any individual brokers or 
a crowd of uh, crowdsource, a group of brokers um, to take their listings down. And what we found out very quickly is that our data stacked up extremely well against other sources that were reliant upon, frankly, people that had other jobs and other things to do. So right, right. Um, yeah, okay. I can go on and on, but we exclusively focus on managing our data, which we think is the best way to get an accurate data set. Okay. Very interesting. Um, so economic development has been your, your fastest growing segment. Are you, are you looking at other, other uses, other sectors? I think, I think you mentioned uh, some commercial real estate clients, you know, outside of economic yeah. development. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, so economic development is our passion. Um, it, it's what we're focused on currently. And again, we seem to be solving a problem, which is very validating and we've experienced, I think, great growth. Um, Building accurate data sets has absolutely um, opened some doors for us with other entities. So yeah, so a couple of different national commercial real estate companies have um, had conversations with us regarding using, um, you know, accessing our data and uh, using mm -hmm. that for research purposes. So okay. I'm not necessarily displaying the data um, publicly, but rather taking um, our information and trying to make informed real estate decisions based on an accurate database or, or, or data set. So yeah, that's happened okay. recently. It's pretty exciting for us. Um, we've we've yeah. we just started kind of uh, dipping our toe into the into that space, and uh, frankly, um, it's been productive. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, well, so I think I think you you probably already answered this earlier, but what but what makes your data different than other other listing services out there? Like you know, like we think of these big names of people that provide this data. Um, you know, what what would be what would kind of how would your data kind of be different and how would working with you be different? Yeah. Well, a couple of different questions here. Yeah. Thanks. So I, um, I, I think, I think the idea of, um, aggregating data, um, uh, or crowdsourcing data initially made a ton of sense, right? It, it was, it's an, it's, it's a great way for folks to, 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 to scale, to get a lot of coverage quickly. Mm -hmm. And that made sense, but the purposes of an, uh, for example, an MLS, um, which, which are great tools that serve a great purpose, right? So that yeah. those tools are, are intended to create exposure for commercial real estate brokers so they can sell their properties, right? That's the intended value and, and it works and, and, and that's a, a good business. Um, but again, the idea of getting 100% coverage with any specific MLS um, is, is, you know, I think um, not realistic. So, right, right. So, so in site selection within economic development, it's really important that the properties that are being displayed online is available for sale or lease. If that community gets an RFI and they include properties that actually aren't available, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, so they need to represent actually what is available within their marketplace. So, um, so we are different that way or just out the gate. We constantly uh, check our sources on a routine basis um, weekly for the most part to make sure that those properties are still publicly being made available um, right. and marketed as for sale or lease. And that provides our clients some assurance that this information is accurate. So that's, um, okay. you know, I think that's probably the biggest difference in, in, in um, what we're proud of. A, a lot of MLSs talk about how many listings they have. We were actually, when we have a conversation with someone focused more on how many listings we've deprecated or, or, or right. taken down, taken off. Right. Because, We've surveyed a ton of uh, existing data sets with our with our clients data that they were using, you know, when they started to look at us, we, we would often take a look at their data and we found accuracy rates often around 40, 45 percent. There were listings that they were sharing online that had sold two years prior right. to, 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 to this date. So, wow. um, you know, cleansing that data and focus on actually pulling listings down 
after they've transacted um, has proven to really differentiate us from everybody else. Okay. Okay. Very cool. No, that makes sense. Um, so, so what's, what's next for you, uh, regarding the, um, the product, any, any, any new things that you're working on coming down the pipeline or. Yeah. It's so without spilling the beans or, 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 you know, um, letting you guys behind the curtain too, too, too far. Uh, we are doing some cool stuff. Um, we're continuing to focus on our database to make sure that we have, um, additional coverage right now we're in. We have presence in every state in the U.S. We have we're, we're currently working with over 300 communities across the U.S. Um, I mentioned the state of Georgia as well as the state of South Carolina, um, some major markets to include uh, Jacksonville, San Antonio, Kansas City, Omaha, mm -hmm. et cetera. So um, we're starting to really get quality data across the U.S., but um, there is, it's, you know, it's a comprehensive effort that takes time. So right. um, we really focused on secondary tertiary markets also to make sure that we're getting kind of those uncovered um, markets for folks. So that's that's one thing we're doing, but we're continuously focusing on our technology, making sure that we're extracting the maximum amount of attributes out of our data. Um, so we're not only painting a very a broad uh, uh, um, a br brushed approach, rather we're trying to provide the most comprehensive data available, not only as it relates to coverage, but also the actual details for example, an industrial property, does it have rail? What's a clear height? Things like that. So right. um, who's the power provider? So we're really working hard to create the best database that we possibly can. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, and then just, just one more question. Um, are there any, are there any particular sectors that are more popular for site selection? I mean, you know, I know in commercial real estate, you know, or, or in real estate in general, you know, you've got, you know, retail and office and manufacturing. And, and I'm just curious, are you, are you having, are you having more requests for any particular sector of, of pulling, you know, pulling like certain databases? Yeah, I, I would say that initially when I thought, when I first learned about economic development as a broker in the traditional sense, I thought about industrial properties, manufacturing, mm -hmm. distribution, et cetera. So um, those were the brokers that I knew that interface mostly with economic development professionals. And I think specifically within the Southeast, that was, that was definitely a reality. Um, when COVID happened, I think that there was a need with an economic development to support retail period, yeah. but also an understanding that retail and, um, the recruitment of industry to your area go hand in hand. Right. Um, and then obviously multifamilies exploded, um, the single families exploded. So large land tracts would accommodate, um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think for the most part, what we've seen is a shift specifically from industrial um, to including everything. Honestly, it feels like yeah. retail is, uh, and, and definitely in smaller communities is something that um, we're picking up um, more and more um, requests for retail coverage. And, and often that's what's missing. Often that's actually the piece that's, that's, that's been missing. It's just hard to track um, right. small office, yeah. small retail specifically. Um, Larger properties are easier, you know, obviously for these these institutions or these organizations to track. But um, mm -hmm. these smaller ones that they come and go, it's just harder for folks to track. So that's been something that's definitely differentiated um, us from the pack. But I would say a shift from exclusively industrial to kind of covering everything has been um, what we've seen over the last two years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. OK. OK. Well, this is this has been great. Yeah. Thanks. Um Great conversation. Okay. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us on the, on the podcast today. What's, Thank what's you. the best, 
best, best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, my email address is my first name, Henry at Resimplify. That's R E S I M P L I F I dot com. Or feel free, you can call um, our 1 800 number is or 888 numbers, 888 968 8998. And yeah, anybody needs to talk to me, please feel free to call us or give me a, give me, send me an email. Great. Sounds good. I'll have that information in the uh, show notes. Thanks again. Cool. Hey, David, thank you so much for having us. All right.